Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you to our worship team. Hey, take your Bibles, Colossians chapter 2. And uh, those of you join us online at our Rossville campus, it's so great to see you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in that way. I know many people traveling today, so thanks for watching while you're traveling and on vacation. Some of you in a car just now, so thank you so much for tuning in to that. Hey, Colossians chapter 2, I'm, I'm in my last sermon on this series called Pressure, Getting Ready to Respond, as we find, we talked about kingdom pressure and cultural pressure. And today I want to, I want to talk about what Paul talks about, and that is the, the pressure to move away from Jesus. I, I want to preach on this subject today, Jesus or bust, Jesus or bust. Paul is finishing up the, what I'd call the theological portion of the book of Colossians. So, so far, uh, I jokingly told somebody yesterday, you've heard a lot about Jesus over the last few weeks as well. It should be in the Christian life because what Paul's done in these first few chapters is we, we've, We've dived heavily into theology, and we've, we've painted a picture of the theology of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is what Christianity is about. Amen? It's all about Jesus. And so Paul is kind of finishing up that section. And then uh, next, with the next sermon series I'm going to do in Colossians, it's called Life Upgrade, How to Upgrade Your Life uh, Based on All That Theology. And it'll be a, a really some more practical uh, stuff. But this is finishing up that theological portion as a um, uh, book of Colossians. Because listen, here's what you need to know as a church. As a church, uh, Jesus or, or bus, we're going to sink or swim with the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen right there? Because the world's not okay with that. The world is not okay with Jesus. The world's okay with the, you know, a little bit of, you know, treat your neighbor okay stuff that they'll find in the Bible, but they're not okay with Jesus. But uh, to us, it's all about Jesus. And so I want to see, show you what Paul said today as we talk about Jesus and this pressure to move away from the name of Jesus. In all probability, every, every study we can find say, says that during COVID, since COVID really, you've watched a lot more television than what you did before COVID. As a matter of fact, studies showed last year, last summer, that you were watching an average of four more hours per week of Netflix and shows like, or, or television than, than you were before the pandemic. As a matter of fact, the average person last summer streamed, because they couldn't go anywhere, they streamed 20 uh, uh, movies a month and they binge watched four shows from start to finish a month, a month. You didn't have anything else to do. Last summer, and because of that, all of our streaming subscriptions have, have gone up. For, for example, now um, Netflix has over 200 million paying subscribers. Amazon Prime, 175 million. Disney Plus, over 100 million. Apple TV, 40. Hulu, Hulu, 40 million more streamers. That's just streamers, man. That's not people who are connected to Dish or, or, or AT&T, all those others. This is just streaming people. And so that last year, you got most of your, and even probably today, you got most of your digital entertainment through a streaming device. Imagine trying to watch 
20 movies and four shows start to finish the old-fashioned way. What was the old-fashioned way? Does anybody remember? Blockbuster. How many of you ever, how many have been in a Blockbuster store in your life? Can I see your hand? Look at that. Yeah, I see. See, you remember Blockbuster? You remember Blockbusters used to be everywhere. At its peak, Blockbusters had 9,000 stores and were a $6 billion a year industry. 9,000 stores, $6 billion. And today, do you know how many Blockbusters are left? One. One. And this is it. In Bend, Oregon. Uh, the franchise doesn't even exist anymore. They have to go to Walmart and Target and, and Amazon to buy DVDs in order to stock their shelves. In 2014, Blockbuster uh, closed all their corporate-owned stores, and that left them in America with uh, one of 50 franchise stores left. In 2018, they closed the last of the remaining franchise stores except for one all around the world, and there's one left in Bend, Oregon, and it will be the last one ever left because now Dish Network owns Blockbuster, the name Blockbuster, and they have said they will no longer grant new franchises to Blockbuster. So there's one left. Here it is in Bend, Oregon. How did they survive the pandemic? They did pretty well, as a matter of fact, because the manager, Sandra Harding, went online to Airbnb and she offered an overnight stay in the Blockbuster for four bucks. For $4 overnight, you could watch any movie you wanted to watch in the store. You got free popcorn, free snacks, and your, the, cow, and the, bed, uh, the sofa folded out into a couch, and you could spend the night there, and it came with its own VCR. How many of you still own a VCR? Let me see your hand. Anybody still own a VCR? Wow, I have no idea. I don't even know where you buy a VCR. Now, the, you, you, you go to Bend, Oregon, you get one. And they actually came through the pandemic in better shape than what they went into the pandemic. And here, here's what the last, and there's a whole, there's a whole, interestingly, you know, Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix and turned it down because obviously it was not going to make any, you know, it was not, not going to make anything. And so they turned it down. And now Netflix has the documentary on the last blockbuster in the world. Uh, it, you can watch it on, I've not seen it, but you can watch it on Netflix. And it's all about the one in Bend, Oregon. And here's what I find funny. They are going to hold on to the blockbuster name no matter what, even through a pandemic. Even though most of us don't own a VCR anymore, not only that, I don't even own a DVD player. I don't even have a computer that I can put a disc in anymore. So I'm totally out when it comes to that. But they, despite all of that, they are going to hold on to the blockbuster name no matter what. Can I tell you this? That is exactly the tenacity we ought to have with the name of Jesus. That no matter what comes our way, no matter what happens to us, even though we may, we may be the last holdout in all of the world, we are going to hold on to the name of Jesus no matter what. And in a culture that is increasingly anti-Jesus, anti-Christian values, anti-morality, anti-one-way-to-heaven, John 14, 6, anti-Bible, 
where every name but the name of Jesus can be uttered in prime time unless it's in profanity. Hear me, for the church is Jesus or bust. We cling to the name of Jesus and what, uh, what Paul was trying to tell them in the church at Colossae was that you hold on to the name of Jesus no matter what. So stand with me in honor of reading God's word. Colossians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible or you're watching at home, it'll be on the screen. You'll see it here. Colossians chapter 2. Look at verse number 8. Paul said, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you've been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You are also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh and the circumcision of Christ when you were buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead and trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are shadows of what was to come. The substance is Christ. Let no one condemn you by delighting in aesthetic practices and the worship of angels claiming access to a visionary realm. Such people are inflated by empty notions of their unspiritual mind. He doesn't hold on to the head uh, from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons, grows with growth from God. If you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations, don't handle, don't touch, don't taste? All these regulations refer to what is destined to to perish by being used up. They are human commands and doctrines. Although these have a reputation for wisdom by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they're not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. Thank you. You may be seated. Here's Paul is trying to tell us that there will be pressure on the culture to abandon Jesus, even though he's the only hope we have. Here's what he's trying to tell us there beginning verse 8 through verse 23, that the world is going to offer you alternative options to Jesus. They'll offer you a nameless God. They'll offer you a nameless spirituality. They'll offer you a religion that has a lot of practices in it. But here's what Paul was trying to tell us, that Jesus is our only hope. Now listen to me carefully this morning, church. If you're here today and you are far from God or you're watching online or at Rossville, you are far from God. You do not know him as your only Lord and Savior. Hear me well. Jesus is your only hope. When I was in a foreign country, I was... uh, 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 down in Central America, went on a lot of mission trips down there. I'd go down there and, and you'd be shocked. We'd go door to door witnessing and we'd knock on doors and, and you'd ask somebody if uh, they want to become a Christian. And almost every time they'd say, sure, we'd love to become a Christian. And so you'd sit there and lead them. And after a few doors, one of the missionaries pulled me over to the side and, and he said, preacher, hey, let me, let me correct you just a little bit. He, he said, every door you knock on, they'll pray with you to become a Christian. Every door. 
He said, but all they're doing, if you look in their house, all they're doing is adding Jesus to their other idols and they're trying to cover all their bases. So they're not believing in Jesus. They're just throwing him in with every other idol they have. And Paul came along and said, hey, this is not the lump Jesus in, cover all your bases uh, kind of thing. This is Jesus or bust. Hear me, if you're here today far from God, let me tell you why it's only about Jesus. Number one, let me tell you this. Here's what you need to know about Jesus, that the world's stuff, their stuff, and I know stuff is not a theological term, but you'll get it. Their stuff will leave you empty inside. Look at what Paul said in verse number eight. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit. Based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world that, rather than Christ. Philosophy and empty deceit. There, see, there's a problem with the way the world thinks about God. Uh, Paul said that they can take you captive, literally to lead us astray, to kidnap us or, or to carry us away in, in the Greek. And we have this, we have to be on guard because what the world would tell us about heaven and what the world would tell us about righteousness and what the world would tell us about morality and what the world will tell us about our values, hear me, will appeal to our flesh. There'll be times we'll hear what the world has to say, the cult, and we'll say, well, that, that, that makes sense because your flesh wants to grab onto that. Uh, for example, the, the world will tell you that you have to earn your way to heaven somehow. And to our flesh and to our earthly minds, that makes all the sense in the world. That I have to try to be good in order to get to heaven. That I have to try to do right in order to get to heaven. And my mind likes that. My flesh likes that. But my, my Bible says, whoa, 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 whoa. There's none that does good, no, not one. If you're trying to earn your way into heaven, you'll never get there. So Paul came along and said, hey, let me tell you about their stuff, that it is through philosophy. It's not the way we view the word philosophy today. It was really a definition. It carried with it a, a negative connotation in their day, that Greek word that's used there. And it meant doctrines and speculations that were irreconcilable with the Christian faith. That's what Paul's using for uh, the word philosophy. But then he says, empty deceit. And those are the, the hollow promises of sin that leave you disappointing, leave you lacking. He even uses the word tradition in there. And those are the words and thoughts that are passed down from others. Literally, it's just what you heard somebody say. And Paul saw all of that going on in the Coloss in the church, by the way, in the church. And it was a deliberate attempt to seduce the church away from Christ. Just nudge us away from Christ. Just get us farther and farther away from Christ a little bit at a time. And to trap them in false teaching. And it was all, he says, human reasoning. Meaning, it was all man's fake attempts to connect with the spiritual instead of going through Christ to connect with the one and only true God. So Paul says that all that the world can throw at us, that all of their attempts to make God in their own image, be spiritual apart from Christ, to make their own path, to add things to Christ and take away things from Christ, to say, come over here and find real happiness and real spirituality and real contentment with our stuff. Here's what Paul said about all that. All of that that our culture tries to get us to buy into. Here's what Paul said. It is, say that word with me, empty, empty. Empty, empty. 
It's all hollow. It's all empty. It's all unfulfilling. None of it will fill that space in your life that was meant to be occupied by God. So chase down the world's philosophy, run down their religion, follow their faith, maintain their morals, catch up to the culture. And what you have when you finally get it is a void and an emptiness and a hollowness inside that absolutely does not satisfy. A lot of scams have been going on since COVID started. People, criminals getting more creative. I'll tell you about a couple of them this morning uh, eventually. But here's one. It's, consider this a, a public service announcement. Because the Better Business Bureau uh, said that one way people have been scamming is through uh, gift cards. That people go into the grocery store where they sell gift cards and they scratch off the PIN number on the back and they take a photo of the card number and the PIN number and then they put it back on the shelf. And you unsuspectingly go up and buy this card. The grocery clerk scans it. You pay the 50 bucks for it or whatever it is. It is, but all the while that that con artist is continually calling the 1-800 number on back of the card, and the minute you activate the card, they find out about it, and before you can give it away as a gift, they've already drained all of the money out of your account. So check the back of your card, number one, and, and here's what they found out, is that you wind up really all you purchased was an empty card. That's exactly what the world tries to do with their version, the culture tries to do with their version of spirituality. You can buy into it if you want to, you can latch onto it if you want to, but all you wind up when you follow their stuff is you're left with emptiness inside. You say, preacher, how do I recognize the world's philosophies when it comes to spirituality? Here's here's how you recognize it. If it's not about Jesus, it's not the right thing. If it's about money, it's wrong. Follow their stuff and, and, and look, have a fun time in sin. You'll still wind up with a void in your life. Their fun, their recreation, their popular, everything the world has to offer you that says this will fulfill you. This will make you happy. This will give you joy inside. It all just leaves you empty. And some of you are here today, some of you are watching online. If you aren't careful, you'll be lured into the culture's empty chase. And here, here's what you think. Well, if I can just get a little more popular on social media. Right, if I can just get a few more follows, a few more likes, if I can just get a little bit more money, if I can have a few more friends, if I can just take that one extra trip, I'll find happiness. If I can just go along with their version of morality, their version of godliness, their version of spirituality, I'll be fulfilled. People will like me. Here's what Paul said, you, you, you get everything they want, and at the end of the day, you're still empty. Can you hear me this morning, church? Stop chasing the culture and what they have to offer. Stop chasing all the glitter of the world, that the world shines a little glitter over here and we run that way and a little glitter over here and we run that way and a little glitter over here and we run that way. And listen, everything, what's the old saying? All that's shiny is not gold. All that glitters is not gold. 
Most of it's fool's gold. And at the end of the day, all that the world has to offer you will leave you empty inside. Second thing Paul tells us, which goes right along with that, is number two, only Jesus can fill that hole, that void in your life. Beginning at verse 9, going all through 15, 15, that whole passage is a beautiful explanation of salvation, which, by the way, deserves its own sermons, which I'm not going to be able to do today. But that whole passage, beginning at verse 9, going through verse 15, is a beautiful picture and explanation of salvation. It, it talks about being buried with him in baptism. It talks about being raised with him through faith. It tells us that Jesus forgave all of our trespasses. And listen, this is so glorious that he erased all of our debt and nailed it to the cross. There's so much glory in preaching and there's so much theology and there's so much goodness about that. It is a perfect picture of our encounter with Christ. But, but look in your Bible. Take your Bible if you have it. And, and look at verse number uh, 9 with me, if you will. I want to show you two things in here. In the midst of all that salvation talk, look at, look at verse n- number 9. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And look, look at verse 10. And you have been filled by him. Uh, Verse number 13, and when you were dead in trespasses and sin and in the uncircumcision of of your flesh, he made you alive. Verse number 10, filled by him. Verse 13, made you alive. Here's the deal Paul was trying to say. What the world was longing for, Paul said, can only be found in Jesus. That fulfillment, that contentment, life, joy, hear me, peace, happiness, everything the world pressures you to believe will leave you hollow and dead inside. I firmly believe that every person walks around on earth with an emptiness in their life that only Jesus can feel. And we'll all try to fill it with something else. Or, hear me, we'll all try to fill it with someone else. Because for that space in our lives that is supposed to be filled by Jesus, we cannot stand for it to be empty. A lost and dying world calls out. I mean, I won't, I won't do it this morning. Every sermon I preach, I, there's an 80s rock song I could title it with because I just get a lot of my theology from 80s rock music. But, um, I mean, our culture cries out for it. Bono saying, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Wasn't the Rolling Stones that sang, I, I, I can't get no satisfaction? The world's crying out to fill that void that's in their lives. And they've tried fame and popularity and money and drugs and alcohol and sex. And they've tried everything to fill that void in our lives. And we get desperate to fill that void. But hear me, only Jesus can fill that void in our lives. And we'll try it with things and we'll try it with people. But nothing will ever satisfy our soul but Jesus. For, for three years running, people have reported uh, losing 
more money on romance scams than any other type of fraud. As a matter of fact, you see this chart beginning in 2016. 2016, uh, Americans lost about $75 million in romance scams, but in 2020, we got a little more lonely, and it was $304 million, $100 million more than the year before. It was up 50% in 2020. The average person lost $25 hundred dollars in a romance scam when they lost money not only that i read a whole study on it and and they said that the mob is laundering money through dating sites the mob that they are asking people hey uh, i've got a cousin that i need to give some money to do you mind if i give you ten thousand dollars and would you just send it to my cousin if you don't mind i don't have Venmo or a cash app or a checking account or whatever, however they get by with it. And they'll send you $10,000. You send it to the cousin, which is really Vinny, his cousin, out of the mob. $304 million. Why are we we losing so much money? Because, listen, we, we have a void in our lives. We're trying to fill with somebody other than Jesus. I don't know what you might be looking for to fulfill your life, but hear me well this morning. Whatever that that emptiness you feel inside, whatever that hollowness you feel inside, whatever that discontentment you feel inside, only Jesus can fill that up and make you feel, here's what Paul said, make you feel full, satisfied, and make you feel alive. And can I tell you this? When you're filled up on Jesus, you don't want anything else. You, you you know you know you you ever get hungry at home what what do you, what do you go do get hungry at home you go stand in the middle of the pantry and just survey shelf to shelf and here's what I've fe- discovered that if you don't actually take the food bag or or box off the shelf it doesn't count as calories that's a little known dieting trick right there so if you just leave the bag of potato chips on the shelf and just reach your hand in it and pull them out you didn't really officially eat any calories because the bag never left the shelf it's a weight watchers trick you may not have heard about it but it's a weight watchers trick you can do and uh, doesn't count that way and, and I'll sit in the pantry and eat 5,000 calories with never picking a bag off the shelf. But why? Because I walked into the pantry. I walked, no, let me just rephrase that. I walked by the pantry hungry and, and needed filled. But you leave a steakhouse and you just ate a big old steak and whatever all the fixings you want to go with that. Hey, you come home, you walk by the pantry, you don't even look at it. Why? Because you're already filled up with something else, something, something that was better. And hear me, you might be listening today and you're not a Christian. Can I save you some trouble? Whatever it is you're looking for is the same thing the rest of it was. That that itch that you can't quite scratch in your life. Hear me. It would only be satisfied by Jesus. If you're here today, you are a believer. Can I tell you, the deeper dive into Jesus, the more satisfied your life will become. More Jesus equals more satisfaction. Third thing Paul said is this, number three, 
is that your relationship will make their religion look bad. I'm just going to hit this and move on, but he talks about it beginning in verse 16 all the way down through uh, verse 19. And Paul goes into the Colossae church, the, the type of things that they were trying to saddle them with. And there were restrictions on food and holidays and observance and, and visions and special revelations. And there were people coming in the church that had seen visions from God and it was taking them away from Jesus. And, and here's what you just need to know. I'll just hit it and move on. That other religions will try and tie you down with earthly. So we have this voice void inside. Uh, we tried the world stuff, didn't work. We have a void inside. Only Jesus will fill. But sometimes we go on a journey. Sometimes we're just not smart. You ever been there? We're just not smart. And we're trying everything but Jesus because that's what the world tells us. That's what the culture tells us, what the enemy tells us. And so we'll, we'll wind up connecting with some religion that puts an undue burden. And what religion does is it add more, it adds more or it requires more than the cross. And every religion in the world says do, but Christianity says done. And when you stumble across something that says do before it says done, you've not found the real thing. And Paul was trying to tell the church at Colossae that, hey, your relationship with Christ makes their religion look bad. Why? Because we say it's Jesus plus nothing. They always say it's God plus something. And their religion can keep you busy. It just can't give you life. Heard a, a story about my, my, that's a, not a photo of Michelangelo, but a, a painting of Michelangelo. And he was well known at the time. And an aspiring artist came into his uh, town. And he had, he had done this magnificent, magnificent sculpture. And he invited Michelangelo over to look at it and uh, give him a critique of his sculpture. sculpture. Michelangelo walked in, spent a lot of time just walking around the sculpture, looking at it, surveying it. He looked at the artist and he said, well, it only lacks one thing. And he turned around and walked out of the door. And, and the young artist didn't understand. He didn't know what it lacked. He had no idea. And now he's too embarrassed to go ask Michelangelo himself. And so he, he went, he sent a friend the next day to knock on Michelangelo's door in the studio. And he, he walked in and he said, hey, hey, this guy can't take it. You've crushed this guy. What is the one thing the sculpture lacked? To which Michelangelo said, it only lacks life. Now, he, he meant it as a compliment. It only lacks life. But can I tell you about the cultures trying to fill that void in our lives? Paul said it, <laughs> sure it's fine, but it just lacks life. It may sound good, it may look good, it may make you feel good, it may give you community, it may keep you busy, it may give you something to hang your hat on, it may make you feel spiritual, it may do all those things. Here's the one thing it lacks. It lacks life. Everything the world can throw at us to make us spiritual lacks one thing. It doesn't work. That's what it lacks. It can't give life in this world, it can't give life in the next world. Our relationship is better than religion. By the way, you know you don't need more religion, right? You just need more relationship. And then number four, I'm finished. Paul said this. Number four, he said, don't overcomplicate 
Jesus. He said it beginning in verse 23. We won't read it again. Paul said this, if you have Jesus, here's what Paul said, if you have Jesus, why are you trying to complicate him with all these other things in the world? So they were trying to add to them extra rules, extra regulations, extra things in order to become a Christian. And, and, and Paul said, why? If you have Jesus, why do you need all this other stuff? And hear me, look, close your Bibles and hear me. Close your Bibles and hear me this morning. I'm finished. Close your Bibles. If you're here today and you are lost far from God, why are you looking for something other than Jesus? Because I'll tell you, we will get all of this on our minds. And we'll think, well, I, I need to be a good person. I need to clean up my life. I need to come to church. I need to do right. I need to read my Bible and that, all that. And then Jesus and I'll get saved. No, no, no. Hear me. Don't overcomplicate the gospel, Paul said. It's all about Jesus. If you're here today and you're a Christian, the formula for the Christian life is simple. Learn more about Jesus. Can I tell you this, that if, that if you dive in with Jesus, you can never go wrong. But you can do everything else. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you can do everything else. You can go to church, you can give money, you can do good, you can be nice to your neighbor, you can help old ladies across the street, you can get rid of cats in your neighborhood, whatever it is you want to do. Whatever it is you want to do. That's good work. If you miss Jesus, you miss the point of it all. The Braves are terrible this year. Can't hardly take it. It's hard to watch a game right now. If the offense does well, the starters don't do well. And if the offense and the starters do well, the bullpen blows it. And it's just, it's just where we are right now. Just suck it up. And I'm not saying I'm praying for the Braves at night, but if you came close to my door, you might hear it late at night. And, um, but there are teams worse than us. For example, I don't know if you saw this play the other day, but the third baseman for the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates just got off the injured list and a 60-day aisle, and he's a good guy, Cabron Hayes. And Cabron, the other day, hit this massive home run, not massive, but a good home run. We were right down the right field line, and, and they weren't even sure it was going to be a home run. As a matter of fact, when he hit it, he didn't know if it was going to be out or not. Like, they had to watch it on replay. And so when he hit it, he, he wasn't sure it was far enough or it was uh, – you know, high enough or whatever to get out and just barely made it. And he, he circled the bases and everybody was celebrating. So they went to review the home run. And they came back and called him out. How do you hit a home run and, and, and get out? Well, you'll see it right here. Oops. Oops. What did he not do? Touch first base first base and the Dodgers picked up on it and threw the first and, and I think it was the Dodgers I forget who and uh, threw the first and he's out baseball can be complicated to figure out you know what's not complicated in baseball touch first base and can I tell you we overcomplicate Christianity Christianity ain't complicated, folks. It's Jesus or bust. First base is Jesus. 
But can I tell you, second base is Jesus, and third base is Jesus, and home is Jesus. It's all about Jesus, but first base is Jesus. So the only question is, what have you done with Jesus? Would you stand with me? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Hey, their stuff will leave you empty. What do I do with that emptiness and that void that's in my life? Listen, only Jesus can fill that void. And it's not about religion. It's not about rules. It's about a relationship with Jesus. So Paul said, hey, why is everybody trying to complicate the Christian life? Why why is everybody trying to complicate salvation? It's all about Jesus. Hey, if you're watching online, Jeremy's got a word for you. Hang on. Listen to him. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that awesome message. And really, that is a message of salvation. Jesus or bust. And um, we all know we were created. There's something missing. Often we try to search for things to fill the God-sized hole in our hall, in our hearts with all kinds of things. But Jesus is the only thing that will fit that empty spot in our heart. We, we use the word gospel quite a bit, and culturally, gospel is a term that's used quite a bit. When we say the gospel, we're talking about the good news. The word gospel means good news, and the good news for you this morning isn't just a term gospel, but it's the fact that Jesus left all of heaven, came and lived a life on this earth, died on a cross, was buried dead in a tomb, and on the third day, He rose again. When He rose from the grave, He conquered sin, death, and hell for you and for me. And the truth is this, that is the answer to the hole in your heart, to that space that you can't fill with anything else. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, man, that's what you're looking for. That's your hope. That's the promise of a future of eternity in heaven with Jesus, with those loved ones who have gone before you. And so I want to encourage you with this this morning. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, it's as simple as you understanding that you're a sinner. God took your sin. Jesus took your sin on the cross. He took your sin from you, and He offers you His righteousness. You've got to be willing to admit that you're a sinner. You've got to believe, number two, that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried on the third day He rose again. And then you have to confess Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. And in fact, you just have to say out loud those things. God, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sin. I'm asking you to be my Lord and Savior. When you do that, you become a part of the family of God. And if you've never done that this morning, I want to lead you in a prayer. And it's not so much that you say exactly what I say. It's that you mean exactly what I'm saying right now. And so if you've never given your heart and life to Christ, tell God this now. Father, I know that I'm a sinner. 
I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. God, I'm asking you to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer this morning and you meant it with all of your heart, we need to connect with you. We have people make decisions week after week and they click on the I commit my life to Christ button. Often we don't get any information from them. You can't do this alone. You can't. You need us and we need you. We want to connect with you. We want to send you some information. We, we want to be there to answer questions that you have. We want to help you know what the next steps are on your faith journey with Jesus. And so I'm going to encourage you to do this. If you just now prayed to receive Christ, or if you've prayed to receive Christ in the past but have never connected with us, click on that link that says, I, give, I commit my life to Christ. It's going to ask you a couple of questions. Answer those questions. Please answer those questions. And we're going to connect with you. And, um, it, and exciting days are ahead for you in your faith journey with Jesus. Man, I've had fun this morning. Worship has been great. The message was powerful. And I can't wait to do it again next week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening. <music>